Hello everyone, this is Fabrice, and today I'm going to tell you about the most ingenious and generous thief. It's not Robin Hood or Arsène Lupin, although some believe that Maurice Leblanc was inspired by him to create his character. Our hero, a handsome young man of 26, turned burglary into an act of rebellion. With his anarchist friends, the workers of the night, he stole from the rich to give to the poor. And thanks to his wit and ideas in tune with the times, the gentleman burglar became a popular hero. His name is Alexandre Jacob. Without breaking and entering, discover his fabulous destiny. In the port of Marseille, a ship is preparing to set sail. On board, a young boy of barely 13 years of age is already looking at the horizon. His name is Alexandre Jacob, and he has been hired as a cabin boy, ready to discover the world, just like he read in Jules Verne's books, and especially like his father Joseph, a former sailor who is pleased that his son has chosen to follow the same path. The young boy is sailing towards Sydney for many months aboard different ships he will encounter wealthy passengers as well as slaves and convicts traveling in the holds. Finally, upon arriving in Australia, Alexandre is enamored with freedom and he decides to desert. Sometimes he sells his charms, then he tries his hand at piracy, but it's not for him far too cruel. After three years at sea, he believes he has seen the world and that it's not beautiful. So in 1897, at the age of 18, he returns to Marseille and leaves the Navy for good. There, he finds a little job as a typesetter. At the time, the printing industry is a fertile ground for anarchist ideas, and since Alexandre is a very curious and already libertarian young man, he reads everything that is recommended to him with fervor. He attends lectures, associates with other activists, and also with female activists as he meets a certain Rose, with whom he quickly settles down. During this period, the memory of the Paris Commune is still fresh. To restore justice, some anarchists resort to all means, such as theft, murder, and other terrorist acts. Obviously, this leads to violent repression against them as well. Alexandre Jacob is not part of that movement, but the police do not discriminate. After being registered as an activist due to his associations, he is accused of taking part in a case involving explosives, and one of the few pieces of evidence presented is that he owns a book on the subject. Despite the absurdity of the situation, Jacob spends six months in prison. Upon his release, he tries to find work, but the police closely monitor him and persuade each of his new employers to fire him by telling them that Alexandre is an anarchist, troublemaker, even a terrorist. However, the young man has always rejected gratuitous violence. Certainly, he has ideas that go against the state, but he is willing to live as an honest citizen. 
except that society seems to deny him that, so he will take another path. If being considered an outlaw is the price to pay, then he might as well be one. An opportunity arises on March 31, 1899, with two friends and his father. Alexandra plans a very audacious haste. The four comrades disguise themselves as inspectors and police commissioners, equipped with all the necessary accessories, almost more convincing than real policemen. They head to the pawn shop where people deposit their valuable items when they are short on cash. First, the four impostors inform the pawnbroker that they need to examine his deposit for a case of receiving stolen goods. After a few minutes, they come across a watch, allegedly belonging to someone involved in a murder. They have no choice but to confiscate all the pawnbroker's belongings as evidence. For three hours, they take inventory of the entire shop, labeling and packaging everything. Once this formality is completed, they take the poor man to the police of justice, where he is supposed to make his statement. The four policemen slip away, leaving him waiting. He waits for hours. Eventually, he asks at a counter if he will be staying there much longer, and then he finally realizes that he's been completely swindled. Meanwhile, Jacob's gang has already vanished into thin air with the loot of several tens of thousands of francs. The news is reported in the newspaper the next day, on April 1st, <laughs> a great prank that amuses the people of Marseille. But on the front page of the local press, you can also read, Alexandre Jacob, anarchist, has become a wanted illegalist. The manhunt begins. With this haste, our humorous burglar has acquired the status of a true outlaw. As he did not appear at his trial, he was tried in absentia and sentenced to five years in prison. After managing to escape from the police, Alexandra is eventually caught. However, the authorities quickly realize that he is always the cleverest one. Moreover, with the help of his anarchist friends, he always stays one step ahead. So, when he arrives in prison, he pretends to be insane and, with the assistance of a nurse from the asylum in Aix-en-Provence, he escapes. This time, he embarks on a fugitive journey that will last several years. Nevertheless, Jacob has no intention of conforming. On the contrary, he will continue to defend his ideas more than ever. He now becomes one of the prominent figures of illegalism a branch of anarchism that advocates burglary as both a profession and a political act. With the proceeds from his work, he will find ways to spread his theories, finance other partisan newspapers, and redistribute the wealth that, in his views, the bourgeoisie has plundered from the poor. But to work effectively, organization is necessary. This is what Alexandre Jacob will do by creating the Workers of the Night, his gang of burglars. First, they established ethical principles together. No injuring or killing unless it is to protect one's life or liberty, and they only steal from the rich, except for certain professions they consider useful. Writers, professors, doctors, etc. Lastly, 10% of each loot must be donated to support the anarchist cause. 
In addition to their moral principles, the workers of the night established flawless logistics. To determine whom to burglarize and when, they rely on information from their informants. A baker who learns that a certain prominent family is on vacation, or a worker who knows his boss's days of absence. Once they have determined the right moment, a team of three or four workers is dispatched to the location. They always arrive on the first train dressed modestly and equipped with their black leather satchels. Inside, they hide their tools, highly ingenious devices, sometimes imported from the United States or improvised by Alexandre himself, which enable them to work quickly and efficiently. Their routine is well rehearsed. The slimmest member of the gang enters the house through the cellar, usually through the basement window. Then they make their way to the entrance to let in their accomplices, who simply help themselves. Once again, the workers of the night are highly organized. They carefully package and label everything. Silverware, rare paintings, jewelry, and diamonds are placed in trunks and promptly shipped by train to smelters and receivers across Europe. So by the time the unfortunate owners finally realize they have been robbed, the items have already been sold. Not only do the workers of the night carry out multiple thefts every day, sometimes simultaneously from Paris to Reims via Compiègne, Rouen, Cherbourg or Saint-Quentin, but they do so boldly. Alexandre Jacob particularly enjoys leaving little notes for his victims. For example, at the home of a notable bourgeois, he writes, Filthy aristocrat, be glad that we don't have enough time, otherwise your safe would be considerably lighter. Until next time, let's hope things go better. Conversely, when he makes a mistake, he rectifies it. One day, after starting to pack a few paintings, he realizes he is in the writer Pierre Loti's house. He puts everything back in place and leaves him a note. Having entered your home by mistake, I cannot take anything from someone who makes a living from writing. Hard work deserves a reward. P.S. Enclosed are 10 francs for the broken window and damaged shutter. The practice of industrial-scale burglary continues for three years until he makes a mistake. With two accomplices, they are spotted in the act. They manage to escape but are eventually arrested after a few days. Two years later, after long months in prison, Alexandre Jacob is finally brought to trial. He is charged with over 150 burglaries, although he likely committed nearly 500 in reality, amassing a total loot of 5 million francs of that time, which is close to 15 million euros today. Despite the 10% rule, he would donate his entire share to the anarchist cause or to his mother, who would then distribute the money to charitable causes. During his trial, the press and the general public do not mistake the fact that, even though the bourgeoisie has demonized him, Alexandre Jacob is a likable, funny, and clever man. He takes responsibility for everything he is accused of and takes advantage of this platform to put society on trial. Unfortunately, his witty remarks and eloquence will not be enough to avoid his conviction. He escapes the death penalty but is sent to the penal colony where his chances of survival are slim. However, he will resist. The life expectancy in the penal colony is less than five years, but he will spend over 20 years there. True to his principles, 
He remains the master of his own destiny and has decided to live, so he holds on. Every month he writes to his mother, who helps him defend himself, denounce the conditions of his imprisonment, or find ways to escape. Eventually, it is thanks to journalist Albert Londres' campaign against the penal colony that Alexandre is brought back to France. He finally regains his freedom in 1927, at the age of 48, significantly weakened. It is impossible for him to resort to thievery again to make a living. He leaves Paris and settles in Touraine, where he becomes Marius Jacob, a traveling salesman. During the following years, he somewhat distances himself from the anarchist milieu, but he still tries to participate in the Spanish Revolution, albeit without being taken seriously. He also shelters resistance fighters during World War II. In the 1950s, at over 70 years of age, he feels his body failing him, but he refuses to let himself deteriorate any further. He chooses to end his life in 1954. Even in the face of death, he always lived as a free man, in control of his own life. Thank you for listening to this episode of Fabulous Destinies. Feel free to share with us stories that you would like to hear on your favorite listening platform or via Baba Bam's Instagram or Twitter page. We'll be happy to discover them.